This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. The bailout plan moving through Congress is an attempt to stave off a massive financial collapse in the U.S. and possibly around the world. But if the goal is to assign a credible price to lousy mortgage-backed assets, is a federal intervention that would price so many bidders out of the market really the best way to go? Arnold Kling, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and a former economist for both Freddie Mac and the Board of Governors at the Federal Reserve, offers his comments. Last Thursday, Ben Bernanke and uh, Hank Paulson, the Fed Chairman and Treasury Secretary, essentially opened up a closet, looked inside, and saw a dead body. They came to Congress the next week and said, we saw a dead body in, in a closet, and we need you to help us essentially dispose of it uh, very, very quickly. Well, I don't have time. We don't have time to, to discuss this that much. Your deliberation uh, must be very swift, but you have to do this right away. Generally speaking, when a Fed chairman uh, does that, he has the power to act unilaterally. That is, he can adjust rates, uh, interest rates, uh, however he cares to. But the difference here is he's going to Congress and saying, you must now do this or that. It's, it's difficult generally to challenge the thinking in the very short run of a Fed chairman, but in this case, uh, it's Congress's job. Yeah, and it probably should have been already. It's sort of, I think, in some sense, I think Paulson and Bernanke would have been happy to do this on their own. It's just that somebody at some point said, you know, you're going to spend $700 billion. Don't you think we ought to like vote on it or something? But let's go back to your dead body issue, uh, because it raises the question, do these people know something that we don't know, and therefore we owe it to, our, we, we've got to trust them and support them regardless of what our, our own initial instincts might be. So uh, what, they, what you have to know, or you have to believe to justify this action is, first of all, you have to believe that the uh, mortgage securities that are, in Paulson's words, clogging the market are undervalued. And so stepping in and buying them will make a difference. Secondly, you have to believe that in the absence of, of some kind of intervention, there will be some swift and sharp contraction of the financial sector. And that's the the thing that I think they know the, the best, better than I do. They know how the dominoes are lined up. You know, if the dominoes are lined up a certain way, then a few of them fall and the rest of them stay standing. If they're lined up another way, they can a lot, whole lot of them can come down. And uh, Paulson and Bernanke are in a better position to, to know how the dominoes are standing. The third question is what will be the effect of a financial sector calamity on the real economy? What will be the effect of Wall Street on Main Street? So uh, let me start with that third question. Right now, the problems on Wall Street are not problems on Main Street. Right now, the most, I would say, Main Street is being more adversely affected by oil than by credit as we speak today. So the the issue that's being raised about Main Street is all hypothetical. It's hypothetically, if uh, you know, if something happens in financial markets, then there will be calamity on Main Street. But if you were to look at Main Street right now, with 6.1% unemployment, which is not great, but which is about average for the last 30 years, you would say a 
an emergency historical piece of legislation makes no sense. With 6% unemployment, it's like, um, you know, bringing in the National Guard to stop a food fight or doing a heart, tra- heart transplant for on a patient with a head cold. It's just completely disproportionate and inappropriate. So everything is based on this hypothetical scenario where a financial calamity will lead to something like the Great Depression. And there, uh, I think there's room for disagreement. I think every economist, even Ben Bernanke, would tell you that the Great Depression had multiple causes, and the banking collapse that occurred then may not, certainly was not the only cause and may not even have been the main cause. Moreover, today's financial system is very different from what we had in the 30s. In the 30s, we had an underdeveloped financial system. When the banks collapsed, people had nowhere to put savings other than a mattress, and people had nowhere to go for mortgages. What we've had in this country, especially over the last few years, is an overdeveloped financial system. We've had until very recently, too many lenders making mortgages. And we've had too many financial firms slicing and dicing securities, putting different layers of risk on, trading trillions of dollars of derivatives, uh, taking lots of short-term profits, but playing this game of old maid passing the risk around. So we need a contraction, and a big contraction and consolidation in the financial sector right now. And it's not clear that if we consolidate from this overdeveloped financial sector to a more normal financial sector, that anyone else will be hurt. So I think that the depression analogy is too hypothetical to justify the an emergency bill. Let me... And let me go back to the first issue of the hypothesis that mortgage securities are undervalued. The people who are making that assessment, Henry Paulson and Ben Bernanke, know less about that issue than I do. I just happen to have spent the formative part of my career working on pricing mortgage credit risk. And it's a very difficult problem. And right now, mortgage it, 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 it sounds crazy that mortgage securities would be trading at 22 cents on the dollar. Based on my experience in evaluating mortgage credit risk, that's actually quite plausible. That might very well be the fair value. There's a wide range of variation in, in the potential intrinsic value of these mortgage securities. And these guys are getting into a business that they don't understand and that they don't have experience in. And that's, and that's certainly a source of concern here. The Paulson plan seems to be almost as much a, a psychological solution as it is actually a fundamental solution to get these uh, bad assets uh, off the books. Well, as, and I'm not sure that as a psychological solution it will work terribly well. The day after the, let's say this bill passes, the day after it passes, mortgage security trading will come to a halt. Why? Because no, there's no reason to sell a security because you don't know what the prices ultimately will be. You know eventually the government is going to come in and raise prices, so no one knows what they're worth. So they're going to, in the short term, and until the bailout actually gets rolling, they're going to cause the, the type of paralysis that it's allegedly going to solve. And I'm not sure that the, that the that paralysis will go away 
even when the government enters the market. It's going to take a very long time for the government to be able to establish what the prices of these securities are. And, it, and no one knows exactly what the boundary of this bailout is, what securities exactly qualify, what don't. Do, do credit default swaps qualify? Because in some ways they're layered onto mortgage securities. Uh, you know, what qualifies and what doesn't. There's going to be a huge lobbying effort on the part of uh, these financial firms to try to include as much as possible and to try to, each bank is going to say, my securities need to be grouped with the most attractive securities. Don't put my securities in this pile with these other securities that aren't going to fetch such good prices. So there's going to be this orgy of lobbying going on. We're going to create more chaos and more paralysis for years to come. At least with regard to uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, there has been this sort of weird uh, uh, incestuous relationship between this giant financial firms and the federal government, which has become much more explicit in uh, recent weeks, not just with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but with all sorts of firms on Wall Street. Yeah, and that's actually the big worry about this bailout plan is that it links ever more tightly big finance and big government. And the Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae example is what's relevant here. Uh, At dinner the other night, uh, somebody said to me, why would Fannie Mae have paid so much in salary to executives who didn't have so much finance experience but were political hacks? And I said, that's because that's where Fannie Mae's profits came from was from the special privileges that it got from the government. So an investment in political hacks was the best investment that Fannie Mae could make, at least on behalf of their shareholders. What we're doing with this bailout is we're putting every company in the same position as Fannie Mae, where their profits are going to depend on subtle ways differences in the way they're treated by these government agencies. And so they're naturally going to have to invest more in lobbying and focus more on Congress. By the same token, you remember that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac got pushed into the subprime market by government policies that told them they had to devote a certain percentage of lending to affordable homes, as well as a lot of informal pressure from individual congressmen to get into that market. So we're going to be subjecting even more companies to congressional pressure. And we're already seeing that. We're, they're already being told that they're going to have to, what they're going to have to do about dividends, or congressmen are threatening that they might have to cut dividends or cut executive salaries, or they're going to have to freeze foreclosures. So business decisions that used to be made uh, in the private sector based on profit maximization calculations, are now going to have political calculations. We're going to take the Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae model and make it universal. It's a frightening thought. Arnold Kling is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and is a former economist for Freddie Mac and the Federal Reserve. He's also most recently the author of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, an exit strategy for the taxpayer, now available for download at Cato.org. 